0: This podcast was created to educate listeners on the experiences of diverse individuals. However, all opinions expressed by the host or guests do not reflect the overall standing of Tarleton Radio or Tarleton State University.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making Space a Diversity Dialogue, and I'm your host, Cole. This is a bi-weekly podcast where together we'll have questions answered about socially sensitive topics while learning how to create lasting relationships with diverse people. In honor of Pride Month, we've decided to go a bit deeper into the LGBTQ topics. If you haven't already, please go and listen to our very first episode, The Words Behind the Letters of LGBTQ+. This episode, we're gonna discuss uh, transgender identity, what that is, hot topics revolving around transgender people, as well as how important pronouns are and how we can communicate with this particular group. (laughs) To assist me today are two trans men, Nicholas Williams and Parker Clemens. Nicholas is currently a student at Tarleton State University. He is studying history with a teaching certificate track. And he has been trans has been transitioning medically for about a year and a half now, but has identified as trans since 2010. Parker Clemens is currently studying animal science, and he has been transitioning medically for about the same time, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. About a, a year and a half, and a has been socially transitioned since 2017, I believe. Yes. Let's go ahead and well, y'all, y'all say hi. <laughs>
2: hello how's it going
1: (laughs) all right Um, so we're gonna first start into vocabulary I'll get into history a little bit later and just do a brief bit of that but first we're gonna define transgender and we're gonna take that by breaking down the word a little bit so trans that beginning just means across beyond through changing through if if you look up the definition of trans that portion of the word, it just means across. So if you put those two together, that means moving across the binary spectrum from one side to the other, is how you can kind of see it. And if that's a little bit confusing, just means basically transitioning or moving across from one gender to another. Although transgender can be an umbrella term too, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. I do have transsexual on uh, our vocabulary vocabulary list just because a lot of people have heard that term as well I know Parker has a little bit of information in regards to that so is that something that's still regarded as as a term did people do people still identify this as transsexual or
0: um, there are definitely people like individuals who will still identify as transsexual but it is not a term that the general public would use like when referring to trans people um in the probably 60s through 90s it was a very medicalized term and there is some trauma behind it in the trans community
1: so it's almost like a, a taken back term in a way
0: in a way. All
1: right. Nicholas, do you have anything to add uh, about transsexual the term?
2: Um, the few friends that I have made through, through this journey, um, I know one one in particular kind of feels like it's I don't want to say slur, but it kind of, it has its negative connotations because of the fact that it's perceived as like they're changing like they're changing their sex. Right. really it's just moving across but uh, yeah I don't know. just
1: that it it can be used in a bad light in a bad context so it's probably just better to use transgender unless that person prefers to be referred to as transsexual then right? yeah okay all right uh now I mentioned in that definition uh, the binary spectrum and what that means you can just visualize a line with female on the far left and male on the far right Uh, and those represent the two extremes of gender basically with people being able to identify on that spectrum so we're moving we're thinking about transgender as moving across that binary spectrum Now, transitioning is a part of being transgender. It's described as a process um, where a transgender individual goes through socially and medically changing to align to their identity. And that has a lot of different things involved with it. Uh, Socially, it could be changing the way you present yourself, like uh, changing clothing, uh, changing the things you wear, and then medically we can go into hormone therapy and surgical transitions and that sort of thing. Now, gender dysphoria, so transitioning assists in gender dysphoria and gender dysphoria is the feeling of discomfort or stress that occurs when people whose gender identity differs from their sex that is assigned at birth. Did y'all wanna try to explain that a little bit? uh, gender dysphoria in the way you have felt it or, uh, or understand it?
0: <laughs> um. That's okay. I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure how to explain my, like, my own gender dysphoria. It's just there. It's something right.
1: it is, that it is, I haven't it is always known was there. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, it, it I was diagnosed by
1: it a... Go
0: ahead, sorry. It's all right. Um, it was diagnosed by a psychologist. Um, but it is, it's just something, if there was a misalignment, um, my brain has always known I was male. And it's just, there was an uncomfortableness and an imbalance in that.
1: Mm-hmm
0: now i'm transitioning to fix that imbalance
1: okay okay thank you uh nick did you want to try to give a summary or some sort of explanation do you think you feel like you can do that
2: i'm i'm kind of on the same page like i never full i was never fully comfortable with doing the more female attributed actions like playing those games i would rather be doing the other things with the boys. So. That's how I. I that's where I kind of rolled with, um. But my gender dysphoria is also, I guess, physically, And the best way that I can explain it. And I've explained it to my friend Coda is, uh, so when you when you look in the mirror, most of the time you see you see what you. Uh, I'm in the mirror. There's nothing really actually like. Uh, but I don't have that, and it and it kind of sets me back. To it just feeling, I guess wrong is a better way to say it, rather than just be like, no, this isn't. But it's just okay. not comfortable because I should I should look like this. I should look like a boy, like what they have.
1: Okay. So your connection was a little bit bad there, but I think I got the gist of what you're saying, just that when you look in the mirror, there's something off, there's something missing. It's just very uncomfortable and unsettling to that, is that you yeah. need something that, that's not there. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, as I mentioned before, it is it is a diagnosis listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, that's the DSM-5. Um, that, that's just something to help uh, when people, transgender individuals, go to therapies and stuff like that to assist them in their transition. Now, the contrast to transgender is cisgender, or some people just refer to it as cis. And that is someone's, someone whose gender matches their sex. For example, a person who is assigned female at birth and also identifies as a binary woman. And we mentioned that a little bit in the first episode of Making Space, but that's just a reiteration of that. Now misgendering is another term a lot of people will hear, and that refers to when someone will assume gender based on physical features and use pronouns that don't match that person's true gender identity. And then our next thing we come to is the acronym FTM can come up a lot, FTM and MTF, when you're looking and educating yourself about transgender identities. And what that just means is FTM is as female to male, and then MTF is male to female. So like an example of male to female, a transgender woman is like Laverne Cox, who a lot of people may have seen in orange is the new black so that's just an example there and that term is assigned to people like that. Now we mentioned hormone therapy during transition, the, the description of transitioning and transition. So there's hormone therapies for transgender women and transgender men. Transgender women generally take E or estrogen That can be a pill, injection, cream, gel, spray, or patch. And then some transgender women take what's called progesterone, which is a pill or a cream. They'll usually take those in combination. And some kind of, some of the physical changes that you'd see for that is skin changes, breast development, fat redistribution to hips and thighs, the loss of muscle definition, and a slowing down of body hair growth. Now, it's it doesn't change uh, very incredibly you have to do it over a long amount of time and it's usually associated medical transition is usually associated with also social transition as well which just means changing like the clothing you wear or um, getting vocal lessons and stuff like that for trans men usually you would have a testosterone is what they would take Uh, that's a shot a gel uh, a patch, and then some of the changes. Do y'all want to talk about some of the changes that you guys go through taking testosterone?
0: Um, uh, our voices deepen. Um. Okay. Body hair growth is quite insane. Um.
1: Okay. Now, does it affect your like emotions or anything? Or is it just physical changes
0: my emotions are definitely different now that i'm on testosterone where i would have cried before i get angry now um like it may not be the emotions that are different my response the physical response my body has to those emotions are different Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's very uh, interesting. Also, if I miss my shot, if I miss my shot, I get extremely irritable. Um, I, there's just things like that. I'm more quick tempered than I was before. Um, like I have a much shorter fuse. Okay.
1: Nick, did you want to share, uh, a little bit about your journey with taking hormone therapy and what made you choose like the route you took, like injection or patch or cream?
2: Um, I, I do, I do injections, but that's, that's purely because I don't like anything on my skin or like, I don't like the feeling of anything. So the creams and the, the gel that they use doesn't really help, but, um, but I did notice within that first couple of weeks when I was taking it I I noticed the same thing instead of crying or getting like super emotional or I would or I would go through the steps I would just immediately just straight go into anger and and that was weird because I never really experienced I don't I don't experience emotions in a normal way so having all of that was like ooh, that's weird um but oh yeah the body hair is insane Uh, (laughs) um Look like
1: so straight it's up just... fan at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just uh an extreme oh, it's pretty extreme I guess for you guys to have that difference to even go through.
0: Uh, i never really felt anger in the in the same way before. Like I will be having a conversation and it's like I have no reason to be mad right now and I'm just mad and I never experienced that before testosterone
1: did either of you either of you can answer this did either of you uh have to figure out how like did you guys have strategies to kind of deal with that or was it just kind of a ball of emotion or how did you feel in that moment or or that span of time where you started
0: I did not know that was going to be part of it. Um, Also, it was unexpected. Like, everybody says, like, yeah. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, like, the way... You'll hear a lot of trans men who are on testosterone say, yeah, I don't cry anymore. Yeah, I don't do this anymore. Well, I, I used to cry a lot. It was just some, like, anytime I was happy, sad, whatever the emotion was, I cried. And now I just get frustrated and angry it's like they completely swapped and i didn't have a game plan and honestly i still don't it's just how it is now
2: and it's like i guess i'm just gonna be angry for like the next 20 minutes until I'm all right all right cool that's over so this <laughs> is riding yeah. it out
1: <laughs> interesting that what an experience, just to just be able to feel as if you are finally okay, you know. Um, now, now there's another hormone therapy that comes up sometimes, especially uh, when parents are trying to educate themselves on transgender identities and that sort of thing. Um, there's something called puberty inhibitors or puberty blockers and that's for younger trans individuals. Um, They can discuss this with guardians taking puberty inhibitors to ease dysphoria. Um, Usually they're just kind of, uh, from what I could tell, it's just kind of a a holding off of puberty until that individual chooses to either continue with their assigned sex's puberty or start taking those hormones to transition. Did y'all have anything to add to that? Do you know much about puberty inhibitors?
0: Um, I mean, they're, they're exactly that. Most people in the trans community call them puberty blockers. Mm-hmm. Um, it is literally a pause button. Yeah. Like it's when you guy. have, when you, <laughs> yeah, when you have a young person who is maybe not confused, but they're 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 young and they're figuring out their identity Identity. You don't want to force if if you can avoid putting a trans person through their assigned sex at birth's puberty. It's a great ability to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can put you can press a pause button. They take a puberty blocker, and then when they're usually fourteen through sixteen, they start. They can start taking um, the hormone. Mm -hmm of their of their gender not their assigned gender at birth okay um so like, like a young trans a young trans boy um he could start taking puberty blockers around 10 or 11 and then around 14 to 16 they would put him on testosterone okay um but if in that t- time period, he reali- or the, the child realizes that they're not trans, they can come off of puberty blockers and it will have no difference on their body. They would just start the puberty that their bodies would naturally produce.
1: I think that's where a lot of heavy discussion is, at least with parents and guardians, is, is this going to affect their child later? And that's interesting that we just, we can have that sort of hom- hormone therapy where you can just press pause, right? Nick, did you have anything to add to that or how parents or guardians can respond to using such things?
2: The only thing I could really do is like, I don't want to come off as like, no, you have to do the purity blockers, but like just, it's a good idea to at least have that option with them because they are young and they flip-flop back and forth. I mean, they could, like, during, during the whole thing about being on the puberty blockers, it can be like, oh, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not transgendered. I'm just a non-binary, and then, so, it can still play, they still have that time to play back and forth, mm-hmm. and then, when, hopefully, when, I, I, I heavily suggest using those, um, definitely when they're that young, that would, because, I mean, it is terrifying, like, once you, once you get started on this path, and you decide, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it, because it's not who I am, once you're past a certain point, there's, there's stuff that you, that won't reverse, right, so if you
1: go straight into hormone therapies, um, specifically for your gender identity, like testosterone or estrogen, there's not really much going back for some of those changes.
2: Yes, and then with the, and then they decide, okay, maybe this is not for me. The body can just be like, all right, cool, we're just going to keep on rolling. Mm-hmm. And then there's and no I'll disruption, sure. I guess. Is the- yeah,
1: yeah, that's good. And I'll make sure to include some resources in the description, especially if we're looking at um, if listeners out there, if you're parents or guardians of, or just family members mm-hmm. of a young person who is thinking about that, then I'll include some. Some resources for you guys to look at. Now we're gonna move into some other forms of transitioning that's gonna be more, more socially transitioning and, and some other aspects. But there's also for trans men or mm-hmm. FTM individuals, it's, there's binding, which just means uh, binding the chest. And then there's prosthetics that they can use, uh, that, that can be for trans women or trans men. Even cutting your hair can be a form of transition. Um, I know, Parker, you mentioned, uh, you had mentioned on here, but you cut your hair pretty pretty soon after you uh, came out as a trans man, right?
0: Yeah. Um, honestly, I probably cut my hair a little later than most people after they, they come out as trans um, because I only came out to my friend group.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so... It was probably th- two, two and a half, almost three months after it came out that I was still, I still had very long hair that I hid. I would tuck it up into beanies. Um, I would do, just, just try to hide it before I mm-hmm. finally made the chop. <laughs> and I just, I, I think it. I went back to the same person with like three times in one week. Oh, because wow. I cut it off and then I cut it shorter and then I cut it even shorter. Um before I was like, Okay, like this is where I yeah. want it. And now I'm even way shorter than I was, than it was then. But that was probably what like my first haircut. Um and I told the hairdresser like what was going on. It was a very freeing moment. Yeah. Like just a way that was a thing. big deal.
1: Yeah. Nick, what was what was your first kind of besides your medical transition for hormone therapy? And that, what are, what was your first forms of transitioning? Was it cutting your hair, changing your clothes?
2: I've I've always worn more masculine clothes. It, it's a lot. they the texture on them are a lot is a lot better than most uh, women's clothing. But no, mine mine was the same. Uh, I before I before I started seeing my therapist. I'm always been very hot, and so when I when I decided to go ahead and take this plunge that yes I was gonna transition, I was like, this will make me feel better. Plus I won't have to be hot anymore. So like, totally <laughs> and like all right here we go. And like as soon as soon as they went up the back of my head with the with the clippers, I was like, okay, this is this is me. This is how I'm gonna be. And like that first look in the mirror once my haircut was over and I saw how the shape made me look mm-hmm. I was like yeah that's me that's who I am okay cool it's
1: great such an affirming kind of thing to happen
2: heck yeah and then <laughs> and then I just moved on to you know binders and then like that mm-hmm. was ha- seeing seeing my seeing my my what's that word called not Jack? silhouette shape uh, yeah shape, shape yeah. the shape of my when when I had the binder on and I saw it and I turned and I saw how flat I was because I'm mean, I'm big so like I'm no I'm not gonna be like super flat but like having that more masculine shape I, I cried. <laughs> I straight up cried in the mirror I was like yeah. oh, this is like the best thing ever like, <laughs> <I'm> like <Yeah. laughs> couldn't
1: get it's over it's not it. it's not a small thing even if it's not a, a medical sort of transition just using those elements it, it's a huge part right. of taking away that dysphoria and that discomfort and that unsettling feeling that's great and for any listeners who are thinking about it and thinking maybe this applies to me I know binders can be for for non-binary people and trans men binders can be difficult Are, are there some tips that you recommend
2: definitely take your measurements and definitely double check them once you take your own measurements while trying to match it up with the online size chart. And, you know, if you, if you read an article that says go, go up, always do just in case. Mm -hmm. because It can be pretty dangerous, right? Yeah. Putting that smaller one on can, wearing it like that and knowing that like it's tight and it's squeezing and it hurts. Like is bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, the the bruising and the breathing, like especially with the breathing, um yeah, no, don't go small. Always always go bigger if you if you if you're not sure, go big first. And then and then you can like, okay, this one's too big, maybe the next size, and then hopefully you get a place will be like, All right, well we'll you know, send it back, we'll get you a different one. Hopefully you know you'll find one that's really good. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. I when I first at my first binder i definitely made that mistake um i got like two and two maybe three sizes too small um and i wore that for probably a year and my ribs are funny shaped now like i have a real weird bow (laughs) and exactly just go It's going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to need a friend to measure you Mm -hmm. because it's very difficult to do yourself. Um, And honestly, just if you can keep your eyes closed, keep your eyes closed, have a friend do it. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. It'll completely, I mean, it doesn't completely take it away, but it will help immensely um, to not have to visualize what's going on.
2: Yeah, because you're not seeing them look at you like this, or like, like how you are while they're trying to measure you is the best way that I did it.
0: Yeah.
1: Thank you. Uh, Now moving on to our next definition, we kind of got a little sidetracked there, but that's important. And for anyone who or any listeners or even any friends uh, of transgender individuals, just do your research. Uh, That's important. There's lots of do's and don'ts out there, and, and it can be a little dangerous, especially when you're considering binding. It's, it's important to do your research and take what they, they set in mind. So our next uh, term that we want to look at is gender nonconforming. Now, what I have here is a person's gender expression that doesn't fit inside traditional male or female categories. Some examples of that could be agender, uh, bigender, genderqueer, even cross-dressers and drag queens and kings are con- can be considered gender non-conforming. <laughs> uh, and technically that's under the umbrella of transgender identities, but uh, some people consider it, consider it its own kind of umbrella term and non-binary is another one um yeah, and because
0: not every gender non-conforming right. person
1: is trans, right
0: is trans? yes okay. yes
1: okay so exactly. not not average every gender non-conforming
0: person. Sure that's covered
1: sorry <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you for bringing that up um and, so non-binary is an individual who does not identify with either with either binary, male or female, or even some non-binary folks feel as if they aren't, they aren't directly in the middle or even on the binary spectrum. They would just kind of prefer to leave gender out of it. So that's something else too, but a lot of the times non-binary people, especially those who are um assigned female at birth will use certain forms of transitioning like binding and prosthetics and uh social transitioning like cutting your hair or the way you dress okay uh is there anything else y'all wanted to add to non-binary or gender non-conforming that i missed or are we going to move on to history all right uh we'll move on to history now um as we mentioned in our LGBTQ plus Words Behind the Letters episodes, that's the first one. If you guys haven't listened to it, you ought to. And while the term transgender was not widely used until 19, the 1970s, uh, what we consider in modern transgender identities have been around for a very long time. Uh, it It's not something that's new. Uh, it, I have an example here is Uh, a lot of records of a third gender in many nations of indigenous people, they have a lot of record of that, um, often called two-spirit in modern times. The reason these identities and orientations seem as if they've become almost a trend or become more popular can be attributed to like globalization, and mass media and mass communication methods like social media. People are just able to see what's happening all over the world. And it's more prevalent in what we look at every day. So it's not necessarily that it's a trend. It's something that has been around forever, but it's something we see more now just because of technology. In more recent history, um, if we look at physical and hormonal transition methods the first successful sex reassignment operation for a transgender woman was accomplished approximately in like 1952 or 53 i couldn't find an exact date but her name was christine jorgensen she had hormone therapy as well as the sexual reassignment operation and she, that was pretty big in the United States because she came back and she became uh, a celebrity because she was originally a, uh, a soldier and she fought in World War II. Uh, now, the first successful sex reassignment operation for a transgender man, that's um, FTM, if we go back to our definitions, was accomplished around the same time. as, like 1958, I believe. And that was on a physician named Michael Dillon. And that he was pretty he was pretty cool. He like I said, he was a physician, but he actually ended up staying kind of isolated right after his transition uh, up in the mountains and decided he didn't really want anyone else telling his story for a long time. So we don't hear much from him until the later dates. A few important transgender uh, individuals in LGBTQ+ plus history are Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. These were the women credited for starting the Stonewall riots, which also started the LGBTQ+ plus rights movement, at least the at least the, the main main riot that started everything off or it was popular or acknowledged more recognizable names for transgender people now or people like Laverne Cox, Chaz Bono, uh, Jazz Jennings, Isis King, and and more other people. I think we're gonna go ahead, since we covered the history pretty quick, we're gonna go into other questions for you guys. Now, understanding that people likely have different experiences because not everyone is the same, not everyone grew up the same, Um, how, how does someone know that they're trans? This this is a question that has come up quite a lot in my research. Is like, how does someone know that they're trans? Um, Nick, do you want to take this one first?
2: I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know specifically that I was trans. Um, I just knew that there was that I was different. That I definitely wasn't um, a normal. Normal girl. Um, I actually didn't even know that the word transgender even existed until my first year, my first year of college, when I met, when wow. I met some of my friends. Um, that was about, that was about 2010, when I was like, okay, this is who I am. Now I have a word for it. Um, okay,
1: so it's not it like a, a hard, a n- hard thing you can really identify. It's yeah, it's um, a feeling.
0: Where, when I was a when I was a kid I was just thought I was a boy
1: mm-hmm.
0: like so I didn't, didn't know you didn't
1: even associate yourself with assigned female
0: yeah like all my friends were boys I was just one of the boys um, mm-hmm. until basically until puberty and then I was pretty much told hey it's, t- it's time to grow out of this and I was like grow out of what and then I, I made a very big switch, like in my brain, and I was like, "Oh, because I, I identified as a lesbian, and I was like, I'm going to be a high femme lesbian because <laughs> okay, I wanted absolutely like the nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted nothing to do with masculinity because I was trying really hard to be quote unquote normal. Um when in reality, I'm just a straight man.
1: Um, so you, you still like women, getting, but you are a man,
0: right? Okay. Yes, yes. I'm. I'm um, and it took getting into college and getting into Tarleton's GSA, which is the Tarleton's Gay Straight Alliance, to really realize, and okay, yeah, this is what I am. These are the exact, like these are the words that match the things I've been feeling forever. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it's really just identifying terms.
0: Find the bravery to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: So like identifying those terms. And A lot of, of it is
0: putting works. terms with feelings.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right, so we mentioned misgendering in definition in our vocabulary list. But uh, I have a question down here. Is misgendering a trans person bad? And is there a time where it is bad or isn't? One of y'all can jump in, jump in on so, that. So
0: you never want to misgender anybody. You never want to misgender anybody, like on purpose. But at the same time, I at least in my understanding with most trans people, especially in the beginning of your medical transition or before your medical transition, you're going to get misgendered. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's it's, it's part of life. You can either learn to correct people. I've never been good at correcting people. I'm sort of of the belief that I'm never going to see these people again. Mm. I'll only correct you if I see you being a part of my life for a long period of time. Um, But if a stranger misgenders me, I'm just usually gonna walk the other direction. And,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like, that's... It can't completely ruin my day. Um, But purposely misgendering a trans person is considered violence you are purposely causing harm to these people uh, if it comes out of a place of hate after you've been corrected, and that that's wrong
1: Nick did you have something to add
2: just a lot I mean yeah I completely agree like if you're purposely misgendering somebody then that's that's just bad like don't do that that's so that's after someone
1: has That's after someone has corrected you, and they and they purposefully call you the wrong. And they
2: purposely, yeah, they purposely do it. Um, now there there's lots there's lots of ways to go about it. If it's a stranger that's doing it, I mean, like Parker, like Parker said, like I'm not never see that person. All right, well, their business business. Um, if it's like a friend or a family member that's continuing to do it after I've corrected them and explained to them why I don't like it, um, yeah, no, that that's hurtful because you're not taking how I feel into this. Like you're just, well, you're still you're affecting me, so I'm just going to keep calling you what you are or what you look like, and you're just going to deal. To be like, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it can be, it can be really negative, it can be really triggering, um, to some people, and...
1: Right, I, I was gonna ask you guys, what is it, can you try to explain the feeling of when someone misgenders you? Like, how does that affect you when, when they, when they say things like that?
2: The the best way I can do it is, um, if you take a, if you take a piece of foil and you crumple it, and then you try and stretch it out and smooth it, it's never gonna be smooth again, um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and eventually, you know, you'll get over yourself, and you'll start, you know, using the correct term that you're supposed to be using when you're um, talking to me or talking about me, but that damage is already done, Um, because now I'm, I know that you'll, you'll never come around, you'll never, you'll never see me as who I am, you're just Mm -hmm. gonna see who you've always seen, and
1: It's just kind of a hurt that they see you as someone who you're not.
2: Yeah, and that, that's, that's a hurt that's always going to stay. That's mm-hmm. never going to. Yeah. There's no thinking that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it, we take so much, as trans people, so much time to figure out who we are and to try in the best way to explain to the people who matter to us, like, hey, this, this is me. I'm not doing this for fun, um, this is super important, and it, it is so painful when somebody you love refuses to use your correct pronouns, to use your correct name, um, but even just like random people in public, like, it hurts,
2: mm-hmm. even
0: if we're not going to correct you, it hurts, um, It's invalidating. It's. Dysphoria is. The, the definition of dysphoria includes the word distress for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, misgendering. Like, they
0: Yes. And that's. Th- it takes a lot of self reflection and, honestly, usually a therapist to get through a lot of this, this, Mm
2: -hmm. of
0: the internal turmoil, and to have people that don't know you just constantly saying you're this, you're this, you're this, when you know you're not hurts a lot.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're like, am I not not presenting myself enough to where you're still identifying me as a different gender? Am Am I not doing enough? What am I doing wrong? So I will say that because I, I am starting to get more comfortable with who I am, um, that, this is, that this is who I am. So for the most part, I kind of brush it off. But I have I have a few friends that just get furious on my own behalf whenever I'm misgendered. Um, and the best part is when it's – if I'm at, like, a fast food restaurant and I'm talking to the box. And, with you know, with, with the medical transitioning – yeah, my voice will deepen, but it won't get like that same baritone and sometimes right. it might come across as more feminine. So right. I kind of get like a sadistic uh happy feeling knowing that, <laughs> yeah, you can call me man through the box, but when I pull up to the window You have you have a full beard, like <laughs> a full beard going on. That just makes you look kinda silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. I do have friends that just get outright furious over it. mm-hmm, which is good
1: because yeah, it's, it's causing you pain and I'm sure that's hard to see. Yes.
2: Right.
1: All right. How, now this is an, another question that I have. How often do you guys get misgendered or has that changed since you started transitioning um, medically or socially? Um, a lot of thought happening. <laughs>
0: when I first came out as trans, I was, I mean, I I was out as trans for I don't know maybe a, almost two years after coming out, mm-hmm. um, or I, I after coming out there was almost two years between that and me starting testosterone. Okay. Yeah. And so, pretty much that entire time I was in the standard. like. Mm. There there was no questioning it. My voice was really high, my face was extremely round and like soft. I'm also four foot nine. You put mm-hmm. all those together.
1: Right. And it doesn't people change don't your height.
0: no It not does. Not once your not when your growth plates are closed.
1: Right. It does, however, change your foot size is what I was researching. For uh, trans women the muscles in their in oh, their feet change. My
0: feet have gone up like three sizes. My feet have gone up three sizes since I started testosterone
1: I think that's that's so interesting I went from a four to a seven. Yeah so unfortunately it doesn't change that but it does change some things that help. So y'all see a difference um as far as getting misgendered now that you have started medically
0: transitioning so i i don't work in a field where i deal with people very much anymore so since i don't talk to people i don't get misgendered anymore just sort of how it is and i i honestly can't tell you the last time like the outside of my family um, just, like, a random person in public misgendered me. Mm. Um, well, that's nice. But, again, I also have not talked to people before right. quarantine
1: has been <laughs> happening. Correct. Right. At the time of the recording, it's just the end <laughs> of a quarantine for us in Texas, anyway. Nick, did you have anything to add?
2: Uh, so, at the beginning, I was, I was the same. Like, there was nothing I could really do. Like, I, I looked, sounded feminine, like <laughs> nothing I can do about it, but it wasn't until my beard started growing in did people actually start giving me the correct gender, and it was actually really mm-hmm. funny because I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put a stop to this, so I bought a button that had my pronouns on it,
1: uh-huh.
2: Uh but yeah, that didn't help, but because I work, I work in customer service, so, you know, most of the time people just go by like your body size. So it's like, all right, you know, that looks like feminine body. Let's go with that. So it was always she and her. Mm-hmm. And then when I would turn around, they would almost backpedal. They're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sir. And then, it, and then I didn't, I didn't get the full gratification of me of, of it happening and then how I was being presented or how I was presenting until I actually had a lady come back the next day looking for me to apologize.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: because she kept calling me ma'am, and she, while I had my button on at work, and she came back, and she's like, I just want to let you know that, you know, I'm really sorry. Um, I have a child who is, who is trans, so I can, I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to be better,
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: I just want, I just want to apologize for misgendering you, because now that I see your button, I saw your button, you know. She
0: understood.
2: Yeah, she understood. She's Mm -hmm. like, and you look wonderful, by the way. I was like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that is
0: extremely sweet yeah yes. you don't
1: and, you don't see that
2: no yeah. and then and then it happens every so often I'll get a person that would be like oh excuse me ma'am and then I'll turn around and they're like oh no I'm sorry sir or you know they would be like oh ma'am sir ma'am Ooh. I was like no you're correct you're correct it's sir and they're Ooh. like oh okay. yeah
1: <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable
2: Yes, that yeah, it is. I'm like, that's, I want to feel bad because, you know, they
0: messed up. But. How, <laughs> that is truly one of the most uncomfortable parts of transitioning for me is the whole ma'am, sir, ma'am, sir, ma'am thing. And I'm like, mm. Mm, you, you, you were right, yes, sir, stop there, please. <laughs> yeah. um, now, my funniest story about getting gendered correctly People tend to think I'm, like, a 12, 14-year-old, like, boy,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and I'm, like, I'm 22, (laughs) I'm allowed to buy alcohol here, (laughs) and I have not lost my parents, I'm just here by myself, Um, but I get that one a lot. Like, oh, you're I'm young. a kid I had a guy mm. tell me at Staples that didn't grow like he was like yeah you know I didn't really start growing my beard until I was probably 18 or 19 and I was like oh god I'm 21 <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was like a 15 15 year old kid and that that's a really common like universal trans guy experience
1: it is getting getting told you're you're a child
0: yeah i mean it's the found of youth just mm. being trans being a trans man <laughs>
2: yeah
0: <laughs> my friend code is
2: actually really jealous because he's like look at nick is like i i kind of feel like my crew knows but like they don't want to say it. they're kind of being respectful but like those those in the those in the little circle around us at work know Because like I explain and try to like educate people. He's like, look at Nick. Nick gets his beard out of a bottle and it looks better than, you know (laughs) the myth (laughs) that I've been growing for for years. And I'm like, thanks. It took me like five months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish.
1: All right. Um, well let's let's move on to some of the other questions. Um, but I'm glad we to hear those stories and, and get that out there. Um, so these are gonna be a bit harder. Um at least oh. a tougher for people. I'm sorry. Uh, how do you feel as a, a transgender man? How do you guys feel, uh, using the bathroom in public? I know that's a huge thing. It's a huge hot button topic for transgender identities is the bathroom. How do y'all feel using the bathroom in public?
0: I usually don't use the bathroom in public unless there's a single stall. Um, but I also have a service book. Mm-hmm. and right. so even if I zone. wanted to, I couldn't use a urinal. I'd have to go into a stall. Mm-hmm. yes. Uh, and so I uh, I always have an excuse to go to the stall in the men's restroom. so if I ever if I ever do go into the men's restroom, I will only go if I have my dog with me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I rarely don't, I, I mean, I rarely do. I usually just wait till I get home. Why is that? Mm, safety. I'm a very small person and mm-hmm. people get really mad when they think you're in the wrong restroom.
1: Oh, like, so it's a fear and, and danger oh, yeah. kind of situation. Interesting.
0: Um, um, now, I will say, men in the men's restroom usually pay very little attention to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's not much. Like, you don't make eye contact. You don't have small talk. <laughs> so, if you do go to the men's restroom, <laughs> just keep your head down. <laughs> Like keep your head down, go in, get out.
1: Mm, I see. Nick, did you have something to add as far as going to the bathroom in public?
2: I I have a I have a I have a slight fear of going to the bathroom, but um, but that's because I live. I have I moved. I've I've moved, so I don't I don't know the area that great. I don't know how to perceive people or watch people, and so I do. I when I go into the bathroom, I look for food because <laughs> I keep my head down right. uh, I see I see how many pairs of feet are in the bathroom and I go and then that, that's usually when I go if there's like one person's like okay I can go and then I immediately go into the stall and I leave once i once I finish and wash my hands mm-hmm. um when I moved I actually moved with a friend and I would be like hey uh can you come check the bathroom for me because <laughs> yeah. he knew yeah he knew, so I would I would be like hey I need you to come check the bathroom for me and he would let me know if there's any more anybody else in there but I don't I don't so where I work, we have a bathroom for the, for the associates. I don't use it. Um, I, I usually go to the bigger, the bigger bathrooms and that's so I don't get, if how, if somehow I found there's an associate that has a problem with me because of who I am, I don't want the off chance of being in a closed room with them. Mm -hmm. So I I, so I use the bigger bathrooms or I'll use the family bathrooms, but, um, the fear is just more so of just like I don't want to be alone more than their outright anger
1: um
0: right the the danger
1: and we sorry go ahead Parker
0: I was just gonna say I've definitely had people follow me into the men's restroom and I've had to text friends that I was with and be like hey something's going on like he's waiting outside the stall mm. Uh, okay. and there's, like, other stalls open, um, and those, I, I, I'll just wait it out. I, I don't care if I'm in there for, like, an hour. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not coming
0: out. Do. <laughs> I think that's where a lot of, yeah, I think that's, that's a lot really where scary. my fear comes from, like, there are little personal experiences like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So, if, if, getting from your stories and stuff like that, it seems as if, the real danger in public bathrooms is to you guys. It's from other people, right? Because I know a, a big topic when we yeah, talk I about mean, public bathrooms is other people's fear that it might be taken advantage of. But from your stories, at least, uh, we can kind of see it's, it's you who really have the fear and, and being in danger.
0: In that
2: aspect. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how that other person is going to act once they see me so there's definitely like a, a reading the room in a way kind of feeling so
1: mm-hmm. right. especially <laughs> right you're right <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's try to get through some more of these questions because I know we're um getting close to time so let's go with this is a question that a lot of people have, especially in regards to transition, is do all transgender people get the surgeries? I don't think I actually mentioned the surgeries before, but there's uh, for trans men, there's, what? there's for trans men, there's top surgery and bottom surgery. And then there for trans women, I think there's similar to the same thing. Um, but what do you guys think do all transgender people have surgeries do all
2: Absolutely trans people want
1: surgeries that.
0: no yeah
2: really it's, a, it's a it's a it's it's by a personal choice um there's some people who who only do the medical where they take the hormones and that's it
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then there's people who's dysphoria and really bad so they take they take those measures to alleviate that that pressure and that feeling on them and that and that's completely valid like there's 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 people who get there's men who get top surgery but they don't get the bottom surgery hmm mm-hmm. and then there's people who especially those who who get um, hysterectomies I know that wasn't one of the surgeries that you you mentioned but yeah because like, some want eventually if they're comfortable and their partner agrees and you know it's all and it's all aboard the same thing they'll you know it, it can they can get off their hormones they can have families and then they get back on the families mm-hmm. but then there's somewhere the the treatment I guess affects it or makes it a little worse I had a friend who had to have one because everything everything was going wrong not wrong mm-hmm. but like it was making everything a little worse But no, no. Some people, some people choose not to have the surgeries, and some do. It's just a matter of preference. Okay. No, that's valid. They're all valid. Everybody valid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, And I just want to add something really quick. You said that there's top and bottom surgeries. There are also facial feminization and masculinization surgeries, where they will go in and. Put implants or uh, different plastic surgeries. There's body masculinization. Well, they'll go in and they they'll shave down different bones to make your hips smaller. Uh, Or with trans women, they'll do implants to make your hip their hips larger. Uh, There's a that a lot of trans people mix and match to Mm -hmm. whatever fits their, the image that they want to see themselves as.
1: I see. Okay, so it's, it's really based on the person and their forms of dysphoria and stuff like that. Yes. All right, uh, let's go into names a little bit. I have a couple questions regarding names. Um, why do trans people change their name from their birth name? Why do you... Do y'all have, I mean, y'all have experience with that? So
2: I do. Um, I, so my birth name is, well, first of all, my birth name does not exist on anything other than the, all the other people who have that name. Um, but also because it, because it is chosen to strictly do, um, I guess females um, or women, who, or female birth, anyways, um, it, it linked it to my past gender, to my, bir- my birth gender. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: in a way, changing, changing my name was like that final, like, yes, I am a man, and now I have a male name, and there's, and there's no going back, like, this is who I am, this is my fresh start as who I'm right. supposed to be.
1: Now, is it offensive for people to ask uh, your birth name?
0: Yes. That's, I, I don't know what else to add to that. It's It's definitely private information. Mm-hmm. It's like going in and asking somebody their entire medical history. I like, see. That's not yours to know. Okay. Um, it's private information that most trans people don't want to share with the world. I mean, there's, there are some trans people who are okay with people knowing their legal name
1: mm-hmm.
0: or past name. I, are, are we using the word dead name in this? I, I, it's on my list of
1: questions is dead name. Um, like, well, why is it called a dead name? Where did that come from? That sort of thing. So if you want to explain that, go ahead. Well, I know
0: personally the word dead name doesn't offend me. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a lot of trans people who don't use the word dead name.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, I I don't know the reasoning behind that. I've just briefly heard part of a conversation that was like, "Yeah, we don't use that here," and I was like, "Okay." I mean, if it makes other trans people uncomfortable, then we shouldn't use it in trans spaces.
1: Okay.
0: Um, I did not know that. But, um. I had always heard the term dead name, like when I was like was transitioning, and transitioning. I know a lot of young trans people use the word de- dead name.
1: Okay, and that's just referring to your birth name or legal name,
0: correct? Yeah, um, we we can't really say legal name because trans people legally change their names, right? And then that name <laughs> right. just no longer exists. Um, so uh, I suppose birth like name. my legal name is my. My legal name is my birth name, Uh, but once it is changed, it will no longer exist. To, it will just be done. I see. And at that point, nobody else will ever need to know it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
0: that was probably the most freeing part, because when I
2: got my judge's approval, I was like,
1: yes. Just that final kind of like stamp of okay no one has to know anymore. It's just a, a part of your life that you prefer not to think about anymore. Yeah. How I, How would you guys prefer people to approach your name and pronouns? If, if they're just meeting you or uh, if they're friends and you think you're going to know them for a long time, how, how would you want people to approach you as far as that's concerned?
2: As any other dude or bro, because like because I, I identify as male I look male so you know I'm Nicholas and my pronouns are he him now if I if I so choose to, to tell that person my, my my story and that I am transgender and like this then then I would just be like hey like now that you know my story it would be really cool if you just continued on referring to me with male pronouns mm-hmm
1: Parker, did you have anything to add? I know a lot of people, um, some people have talked, especially in like the diversity and inclusion type field that maybe we should just use like neutral pronouns, like they, them before you, like before you meet someone until they tell you, I, I don't know, go ahead and let us know. Do you want to take that Parker? Sorry.
0: I, I and again this is from my own personal opinion about my own experience right I don't I'm not speaking can, right? for any other trans person right now um I don't want to be seen as a trans person yeah. I want to be seen as a man
1: I see
0: and okay. so it needs to be um First off, I probably won't be meeting somebody without other of my friends or my partner with me. And then when my friends refer to me as he, that is what the stranger that I'm meeting should do also.
1: I see. Okay.
0: Uh, it so should just, kind
1: of pay attention to context.
0: Yeah, I don't ever want to, I, I don't like walking up to people and being like, Hi, my name's Parker and my pronouns are he, him. or I'm, you know? mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, That, unless I'm in a, like, diversity and inclusion scenario, like, if I'm in a room that was, at, like, a safe space for LGBT people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then I will do that, but not in day-to-day conversation.
1: Right. Okay, so it's more of if if you're someone... Um, you're just meeting someone maybe pay attention to how other people refer to them and just kind of go with the context and eventually maybe ask or build a relationship with that person
0: yeah yeah I mean if somebody doesn't know and they respectfully ask that's one thing but I don't ever want to be expected to like tell somebody my pronouns mm-hmm. or because I, I feel like it immediately outs me as other. Because like when does a cis man who's meeting um new people go, Hi, my my pronouns are he him and this is this is my name. Yeah. It doesn't really fit into our society's conversation right. naturally.
1: Right, until that it is natural or isn't, then like as it is now, it's, it's not a normalized situation to just do that. So a respectful ask of a yeah. question is, is a good idea, um, yeah. or just paying attention to context around it. Now, let's go over yes. this really quick. Um, how has your transition affected your family and friends? This is my second to last question, and I'll <laughs> let you guys go. But how did this, how did your transition affect your family and friend relationships? Either one of you can take that first.
0: My relationship with my friends, the ones at my university, they all knew.
2: Mm-hmm
0: but my friends that were back home who most of them knew my family have honestly, most of them have been, have the ties have been cut. Um, and that wasn't a painful situation because I wasn't close to any of them.
1: Mm.
0: but my family, there's some pretty big, there's, there's a pretty big separation now. Um, I mean, they're still my family. They're still my parents. I will always love them. Um, I think somewhere in them, they will always love me. But they don't agree with who I am. And I can't have, like, weighing me down any longer. So, like, separations have been made. Um, It's not... It's probably not a normal parent-child relationship for mm-hmm. a twenty-year-old college
1: student. <laughs> so it's it's difficult, and in transitioning, you have a difficult road for yourself, but yeah. also your family. Um, Nick, did you want to add anything?
2: Um, I. Thankfully, I've had I've had a a good experience with telling people. Um, The only person so my the relationship with my mother has been rocky because of this whole thing. Um, My brother, who I was close to, was probably about the worst thing because when I told him about it, he immediately went to my mother and was like, "No, I'm not supporting that. Um, I can't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to talk to them anymore because of it." And you know, it kind of felt, I kind of, not violated, but, like, it felt He's rude. Suspected. Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't come, he didn't want to come to me and tell, and, like, voice it and, like, have me explain a little better. He, he just automatically just was like, no. Now, my mm-hmm. father, on the other hand, I i was absolutely terrified of him because of, of me coming out because of his past actions. So I took him, I took him to dinner. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I it's always it, a I
2: good idea it, like, to do that. <laughs> <I> <laughs> yes. Uh, so I told him, and he, in the 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 feedback I got from him was probably the best outcome I could get because he was like, you know what, I don't understand. I'm gonna try to understand. Um, I won't. I won't tell you right now that um, he's like. As long as he's like, I might not accept it, um, but. If you're happy, then I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be happy, and I'm gonna support you no matter what because your your happiness comes first. And I was like, "All right, cool." But but since then, since since then, uh, and a few therapy sessions later, he is now on board. So okay. that's good. <laughs> yeah, there so the accept- good experiences. Yes, um, but that's that's you know, I'm, and it's always good to have those little things. While right. I wish other people had the same positive outcome, I know I know it doesn't always happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so, but you know, family family is always going to be hard, uh, right? Especially in the long. LGBTQ
1: plus community, it is yeah. difficult, right?
2: Because they know you so long as this this person, and now you're now you're this whole new this whole new person, and they don't they don't they don't know how to how to go about it but you know if if it's better for you to do to separate yourself from that from them then you know you got to take care of yourself first Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely all right all right my last question for you guys (laughs) and then we'll do our closing but what can listeners do to be better allies or be better friends or even family members to transgender people what do you guys
0: suggest um honestly people did their own research
1: okay so like Like, listening to our podcast (laughs) yeah
0: like there are resources out there um the person who has come out to you as trans is not google Mm. they are not there to teach you everything you need to know they're not teach you they're not there to teach you how to be respectful of them Um, but I, but also, if people didn't make our transition about themselves, we're not doing it to hurt somebody, we're not doing it to rebel against our parents. Um, it's, it's us, like it's all, we're we're the same exact person that we've ever been. Uh, more, more ourselves now than we were before. Right. And if people would...
1: I think we may have lost Parker's audio. I'm sorry. Can you say that again?
0: Um, Say what again?
1: <laughs> uh, you, that just that you're more yourself now I think is what you were saying. And that people should try yeah. to educate themselves.
0: Uh I Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much Okay. It like if if people um if they take the time to research things on their own
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and before they respond with all with anger when we tell them right if they can learn before they respond like they could take some time Mm -hmm. it would help the entire experience theirs and ours with our transition
1: Mm -hmm. Nick did you have anything to add to
2: that no not really I mean and also, uh, other than research, you know, just listen. You know, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning the, or we're, we in the community are learning at the same pace as they are, mm-hmm. um, there's, since there's a whole lot of research going on, but um, and I, to be a better ally, I would, I would have to say other than research is just to listen, listen to what I have to say, because um, like Parker said, you know, it's, ex- I'm doing this for me, so if I'm, if I'm going to tell you that, hey, this is what's going on. What I what I would really not have is to be like, oh well, I read this in this article, you know, that this is what's happening. Well, that that that's fine for that person that wrote that article, but mm-hmm. that's that's not what's that's not what's happening to me. That that's not going to work for me. So that that's my major thing, is, you know, okay. other than research, just
0: listen. <laughs>
1: okay, thank you, thank you both for giving your experiences, because I know it's not easy to just just tell people about this kind of thing but thank you all right Uh, so listeners we went over a lot of information and there's a lot of material out there again I'm gonna link quite a bit of uh, resources in the description for people who are allies friends family as well as people who think maybe this relates a lot to you and and you want to learn more about transgender identity now if you want to learn more about the show or if you want
2: updates
1: about making space, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the planet 100.7. We're also on Twitter. That's the radio station we're based out of at the planet 100.7. And t- stay tuned for next week we're going to do some stuff about protesting and systematic racism. So that's going to be really interesting to hear from a few people who've organized protests and spoke at protests so that's gonna be fun. Until next time, be safe out that out there folks and take care. Bye guys.